Good morning. Before I uh, begin with our lesson this morning, um, I just want to make sure that uh, everyone is aware that we are beginning to work on our Lads to Leaders for the year 2020, which is coming up uh, pretty soon. Uh, we have uh, started our Bible Bowl study sessions, which take place uh, on Sunday afternoons at 3.30. Um, and during that time, we'll be going through the book of Luke, and we will be answering some different questions and uh, playing some different games and that kind of thing. We just kicked that off this past Sunday, and uh, we will continue to do that um, almost every Sunday afternoon. Uh, if you are interested in that, it's open for our, our youth of all ages. If you are interested in that, uh, you are more than welcome to join us, even if you have no intentions of going to LADS, um, but would like to just be a part of that and come and study uh, the Word of God. Uh, it's a great way to do it, and uh, we'd love to have you with us. Also, next Sunday, right after our uh, AM worship, after we conclude, we are going to go meet in our uh, adult classroom upstairs at the end of the hall, and uh, we're going to go over a lot of our year-round and pre-convention events. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we can already kind of be doing and, and getting into and, and working on for our convention, which is, of course, around six months or so away from, uh, from, from now. Uh, but we want to go ahead and make sure that we're getting started on the right foot. Now we're going to go ahead and uh, kind of progress through all of that. So if you are planning on attending LADS uh, this upcoming uh, convention, this upcoming next year, uh, then please make it a point to be with us next Sunday uh, over in that classroom right after worship. And we will kind of cover as much as we can as quickly as we can. So I was about 14 years old. And I was in the car with my mother, and we were on the way home from school. And we were in the middle of uh, a heated disagreement. And uh, I, honestly, I couldn't tell you what it was about, and that's kind of how disagreements really work. You, you look back and you go, I don't even know what it was about. But all I remember is that my mother and I were not uh, seeing eye to eye, and uh, there was a lot of tension between us, and I was not happy about what my mother was telling me or the decision that, that she had made. And of course, we're kind of driving home, and the whole time we're discussing this, and things are kind of getting more and more heated, and, and we're kind of you know, being very emotional about it. We're letting anger kind of be a part of this discussion. And so as soon as we get home, with all of this emotion inside of me, I decide that this is probably a good time for me to, uh, to run away. <laughs> or basically decide that I'm not going to be here anymore. And so instead of going inside, I, driven by emotion, I just take off and start walking down the street. And uh, I, just, I just leave my mom, don't even look, don't even look back, and I, I'm just going. Now, obviously, I did not think this through because, again, I'm kind of playing off my emotions. And so I don't know where I'm going. Uh, but I start walking, and eventually I, I keep thinking, and I'm like, all right, so if I'm going to do this, where am I going to go? And I remember that uh, I have a, a friend that lives uh, not in the neighborhood connected to ours, but in the one that's 
across the street from that neighborhood connected to ours. And so if I just kind of follow this really long, winding path through a couple neighborhoods, I'll end up at their house. Uh, And I ended up looking it up just to see how far I walked. It was about 1.2 miles away. And... uh, and I was just determined. I was like, well, that's where I'm going to go. That's, and I'm going to head that way. And so that's where I went. Uh, I started walking there. And, you know, so many minutes later, I finally arrived there. And, and I get there. And, uh, and I'm still just thinking about, oh, how could, you know, she make this decision for me? Or why would she say this when really it should be this way? And, and I'm thinking through all of this. And I get to my friend's house. And I start telling them exactly what I'm feeling. And then uh, their mom ends up getting involved in it. And I'm just, I'm just sharing everything and just being emotional. And, uh, and eventually, of course, their mom was friends with my mom. So their mom called my mom and my mom knew exactly where I was. And uh, we just continue to, to kind of uh, be in this, in this argument. And I just keep thinking, I'm just going to stay here as long as I can and just wait till you know, mom kind of caves in. But then I remembered something. And I realized that I picked the wrong day to run away because it was Wednesday. And that meant that in a couple of hours from now, in fact, it was getting kind of close, uh, I had to go to church. And uh, so then I had to decide, okay, how am I going to get through this situation? Uh, How am I going to make everything work out and kind of be the one that wins in this argument between us, uh, but still be able to find a way to get to church in time? Uh, But it didn't really work out the way I wanted it to, and I ended up just saying, uh, you know, I I can't miss it. And so I called my mom, and I told her, all right, well, just come pick me up on your way to church. And that's what happened. She went, and she picked me up, and then, uh, and of course, the the argument kind of continued uh, as we went. But no matter what, in the middle of all of this, I wasn't going to, to miss church. It had just become something that was so programmed into my mind that... Even if I was in the middle of this heated emotional argument with my mother or anybody else, or if something really got in the way, I was still going to make it a point to, to go to church. And I think that a lot of us have this very similar mentality, where you know, we kind of have everything planned out, but no matter what, you know, going to church is going to be a, a part of who we are and, and what we do. But sometimes having that mentality can actually kind of mess us up a little bit. Uh, This going to church mentality. Now, I want to explain what this really means. Uh, And I want to start off by talking about this idea of, of time. Now, time has become a measurement that has a lot of value to us. And honestly, it's kind of become more and more, uh, the way that we measure it, it's become, each second has become more and more valuable to us. And if, if you kind of think about the way that the culture frames everything right now, and the way that we're supposed to think about time, and the way that we're supposed to think about how we structure our lives, we kind of get this idea that we, we need to be busy. We need to always make sure that regardless of what we are doing, we are doing something. And if we're doing something, then we kind of allow ourselves to believe that if we're doing something, then we are being productive. And so the more that we do, if we kind of think in this way where we're measuring our time, 
then the more that we do, the more value we're able to bring to ourselves. The more I do, the more value I create. And so if we want to feel valuable, if we want to have this value, then we're going to make our lives as busy as possible. We're going to fill it with as much stuff as we can in order to have this kind of value and allow ourselves to let this busyness feel like it is productivity. Now, I'll be honest, um, I am a lot of times one of those people. I am one of those people that when I wake up, I say, how much stuff can I get done today? And I, and I just go after it. I, I have a lot of days that, that are like that. Uh, and and, and I, you know, I'm very much a list maker. I'm a very task-oriented person. And maybe you're very similar in that way. Maybe you allow yourself to be a little bit more laid back, but maybe sometimes you just really need to get things done in order to feel that, that amount of productivity in your life. And so, in one degree or another, we continue to, to fill up our lives with, with things to do. We, we, get, we make sure that we ourselves are busy. And when we do that, we, we kind of get organized with it. Now, honestly, some of us probably get a little bit more organized than others. Um, it's okay if organization isn't your, uh, your strong suit, but some of us, we like to get really organized with it, and, and we even get to where we start to plan things out ahead of time. We like to make sure that we're planning out our future because the only way to add more value to how busy we are is to do it even further in advance. So that way we know I'm going to continue to be Productive. I'm going to continue to be busy. And we aim for this idea of productivity. We aim to be busy, and as a result of that, we hope that, and we kind of even fool ourselves into believing that because we are busy, we are producing something good. But in reality, a lot of times in our life, the busyness that we create the busyness that, that is a part of our life that really just kind of takes over what we do is not really productive. And it's not really productive because if we look at the busyness we create, we understand that it is all about ourselves. We are creating this busyness, we're creating this productivity all centered around ourselves. I want to look at a passage in James chapter 4. If you want to turn there with me. James chapter 4. Now in this specific part of, of James, uh, the letter of James, we, we see that uh, he is writing, of course, to, uh, to the church. But specifically, uh, what we're going to read, he's, he's writing to those that are a little bit wealthier within the church. Uh, it's a wealthy people. It's people that are actually capable of trade and, and kind of conduct themselves. Uh, the very business-like people. But he's, he's aiming what he's saying to these wealthier people. And before we really read that passage, I just want to go ahead and make the correlation that, to be honest, we are all living a lot nicer lives than these people, even the wealthy people were 2,000 years ago. Uh, so really, this concept specifically is something being directed toward us. We're going to read verses 13 through 17 of James chapter 4. 
Beginning in verse 13, it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. See, James is writing to the church. He's writing kind of uh, specifically to those that are wealthier within the church, and he's, and he's warning them of this arrogance. And he's warning them of this arrogance of planning out their lives with this self-confidence. Of planning out their lives, believing that they are creating a, a productivity, producing good things, when really all they're doing is just making themselves busy with things that actually don't even matter. And so James is warning all of them about all of these different things about being busy without producing anything good. And at the end of this passage, James' message to the church is really simply this. It is to allow God to plan your life. Do not get busy in trying to plan everything out on your own, but allow God to plan your life. Because allowing God to be in charge of those plans, allowing God to be what shapes what we do and how we, we fill our days, that is how we are truly productive. But God cannot plan our life if we are the ones that are holding the pen. If we are the ones that are, that are writing our calendars and, and filling it up with all of these different things, God cannot plan our life if we are the ones writing the list. Because if we're the ones holding the pen, if we're the ones planning everything out, then we're going to be filling it with things that we call productivity, but are not productive. They do not produce good things for us. They simply just keep us busy, and honestly, they keep us distracted. We are putting our confidence in ourselves to take control. Now, here is kind of the, the problem that we face. Whenever we are planning, when we plan things, and when we have this self-confidence and this idea, uh, and we, we, when we place this control into our own hands, we are changing the view of the church. Now, you might at first kind of be thinking, well, I don't, I don't see how this is kind of correlated, and we'll get to that. But when we allow ourselves to plan everything out and, and when we are in control uh, and when we try to make ourselves busy and productive in, in our own ways, our view of the church changes significantly. You see, church becomes an event title. Uh, and in fact, we, we kind of make it into this kind of equation where my relationship with God is equal to the time that I spend in a building. More specifically, my relationship with God is equal to the time that I spend here in this building. 
And because time has value, and we think back to that idea that we're taught that every second has you know, so much value to us, we believe that every second we spend here, all the time that we spend here, gives us this value. And so if we spend a couple of hours here a week, we're gaining that value that we're looking for. And so what we end up doing is we take church, we take that word, and we put it within our plans. And it becomes a part of a list. It becomes a part of the things that we do. And we end up devaluing the church to become a bullet point. And we have this going to church mentality where church is an event that we go to and it's something that we do for a few hours and that is how we get our value from it. Now, obviously there is value in the church, but we are going to miss out on so much value if that's the way we look at it. If you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to jump ahead and look at Acts chapter 4. These two specific passages, I I can't stop thinking about them. I'll be honest with you. Uh, This past summer, in fact, uh, our our youth ministry, we actually had a, a theme for the summer that completely revolves around the ideas that we're going to look at. And what we're going to look at specifically is the beginning of the church. And this past summer, we really kind of looked at those passages and made sure that we had an understanding of of what it meant to be a part of the church when it was first established and what that should mean to us today. And so what I want to do is I want to look at Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4. We're going to look at uh, it's, uh, a couple of different passages, and uh, they're a little bit longer in length. I'll have everything up on the screen for you. But I want to look at these and really just kind of make sure we are taking in everything that these people are doing. Let's go ahead and start with Acts chapter 2. This is verse 42 through 47. It reads, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." Now, I want you to remember all these things. Uh, We're going to go ahead and jump forward into Acts chapter 4. This is verse 32 through 35. Jairus read this for us earlier this morning, but I want to go back and, and kind of read that again to make sure we're understanding everything that's being said here. It reads, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. 
There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, as we look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, and as we see the beginning of a church, it's very easy for us to understand that from Acts 2 and Acts 4, we see the body, the church body that we aim to be modeled after. That we know that we need to look at ourselves and make sure that we are modeled after that. We strive to be this first century church that was established. And so, if that's what we're doing, then here's what we're going to do. We, we are going to basically take this concept that we just read, take what we just read, and then also look at ourselves. We're going to examine how they are described, and then we're going to look at us and examine our own description. And then we have to ask ourselves, do these two things match up? Now, I want to go ahead and make sure we understand this. I believe that we have stuck very close to the ideas of how we worship the Lord. And the way that we are taught to worship uh, within this first century church looks very similar. Yeah, there's, there's some technological advancements that we have made. Um, in fact, I'm very thankful for this thing that I have. They did not have that back then. There's a few smaller changes that are insignificant, but overall, the way that we worship is very similar, if not identical, to what the church is supposed to be doing when they worship their God. Now, when we look at this, this is normally what we think of and then we're done. And we say, we did it, good job. But I want to look at something else. And it's really with this question that I want to present to you. How far off is our current reflection of the church? Now, when I'm talking about the church specifically, I mean the way that we view the people. Because again, when we look at this idea of the church, sometimes we think of it as an event. And we're thinking, well, isn't that the same as what we were just talking about? No, what I'm talking about specifically is what is the way that we treat and we handle and we work with and we interact and we connect with each other. How far off is our current reflection of what the church looks like? There's nothing there that really just says specifically that these people came together twice on Sundays and, and once on Wednesday and, and they did it and that was, you know, that was what they needed to do and, and that's the end of it. We, we see a lot of descriptions within Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 that really show us the kind of people that they were. In Acts chapter 2, we see them defined in all these different ways. We see that they were together. We see that they spent their days either in the temple or they spent their days in each other's homes. And not only that, but they were also sharing their possessions. In Acts chapter 4, we see that they were described to be of one heart and soul. 
And they gave as others had need. If somebody had a need here, they would give to them. And if this person had a need, it was, things were given to them as well. That is the way that the church functioned at that time. You see, within all of this, they had a very different mentality. I want to look at another passage real quick before we kind of address what this means for us. Uh, if you'll look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy, and Timothy is, is a younger man, and he's actually uh, currently, when he's, when he's receiving this letter, uh, he's actually at the church in Ephesus, and, he, and he's working with them there in Ephesus, and he has these instructions that are given to him uh, about things that he is to instruct with the church. And so we see in the first two verses of 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, this is what Timothy is told. It says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Now, we see from the accounts in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4, and here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we understand that the church should be considered our family. And when we speak the word church, we shouldn't be thinking about it as an event, but as a people. And not just a random people, but as a family. And I'm sure you've heard that we need to think about ourselves in this way before, but we honestly really need to make sure we're putting a lot more consideration into how we view the church because it is supposed to be our family. We are to be a, a large and inclusive and love-centered group of people. We are to be sharing in our victories together and in our defeats and in our joys and our sorrows and in our strengths and also in our weaknesses. We should be spending a great amount of time encouraging and providing and building each other up. In fact, there's a lot of other passages that talk about how we are to treat one another. In John 13, uh, it says that we're, we're supposed to love one another. Galatians chapter 6, we learn that we are supposed to bear one another's burdens. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we see that we are supposed to encourage and build up one another. You see, the church is not a bullet point. It cannot be one of the things on our list of stuff to do. And as we look at the church in the first century, we see that it was not a bullet point for them. The church was their identity. The Christians in Acts and the Christians in the first century are not going to church. And in fact, they probably never would have said, yeah, I'm going to church. That's not the mentality that they had, nor the view that they shared. The Christians in Acts are being the church. The Christians in Acts are choosing to be the church. And they have all things in common. And they are spending all their days together, admonishing one another, encouraging one another, and building up the church that exists. And as we look at that first century church, 
We've got to look at ourselves and we've got to say, how do we match up? Now, why is it that we might be missing the mark a little bit? Why is it that a lot of times we do kind of look at church as a more of an event than we do a people? Why is it that we have this mentality of going to church versus being the church? It really comes down to what we first addressed. It's the idea of how we value our time. It's our desire to fill it full of productivity, but really just things that make us busy. And as a result, we feel productive, but really we're producing nothing. And as long as we stay busy, then church will remain an event for us. As long as we choose to just allow ourselves to be busy with the things that we want to plan within our lives, the church is going to remain that line on a list. It's going to remain that bullet point, that thing you add onto a calendar and nothing more. I want to look at uh, a passage in 2 Peter chapter 3. If you'll go there with me. 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter is writing to the church uh, a second time. This is, uh, of course, his second letter. And, and the particular topic he's talking about and what we're going to read here is about the day of the Lord. It's about kind of talking about how the end of this earth will come. It is inevitable. It is going to take place. And so he's kind of talking about it here. But we're going to focus on something uh, a little bit different within that passage, but, but I think it's something uh, really awesome that we can get uh, from the, the scripture here. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. It says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now, one of the really cool things that we can understand from, from this passage is that the Lord has a very different view of time. The way that he understands time obviously is going to be way greater than anything we can understand uh, because he understands way more than we ever possibly could. And so he has this very different view of time. And it's nothing like this measurement that we've made it into. It's nothing like how we equate each second to, to having this amount of value within our lives. We also learn that he is patient. He does not require you to fill each and every second with being busy, with being this false idea of productive. The Lord wants one thing of us. And it even kind of states this at the end of this passage. He wants all to reach repentance. What God really wants more than anything in the, in the time that we spend on this earth is not that we make ourselves busy, not that we use every second to be doing something, but that we are doing something productive, truly productive, truly producing good things. 
to turn from the world and to turn from this meaningless busyness. What the Lord wants of us, and honestly not really anything more, is to be the church. He does not want us to fill up our days and then also make sure that church is a part of it. Make sure that church is one of the events that we are doing. What our Lord wants from us is to be the church. And I will be honest, no matter how busy your schedule looks, no matter how productive your schedule might feel to you, if you have not decided to be the church, even if your schedule was completely empty and the one thing you had on it was to just make sure that you were being a part of the church, it's not going to, to matter. This is what is going to be most important is that you be the church, not that you fill your schedule with everything. Now, I know that I just gave you your last blank. But before I, I finish, really quick, I want to share um, a few different ideas. Because um, I wanted to, I, I kept thinking about this idea, and I thought, well, what exactly can I tell you where you can stop going and start being? Where you can stop this mentality of going to church and begin the idea of being the church? So here are three very simple, very fast ideas that I want to share with you before we conclude this morning. Number one, we need to change the way that we talk about church. I'll be honest, thinking about it and actually kind of making sure that I was catching myself any time uh, that I happened to say or phrase church in an incorrect way, uh, I ended up catching myself several times starting to say something incorrectly. Um, and I, sometimes I would even talk about church as an event. And I think we all do that. And we don't do that in a harmful way. But uh, kind of uh, on, on accident, we end up saying things that turn church into this event. Even, even saying things like, it's time for church, or where do you go to church? Uh, this kind of idea, we can sometimes allow ourselves to confine church to an event to taking up the, the concept of being nothing more than an event. So, what we have to do is change the way that we talk about church. We simply have to be more intentional with our speech. We must not view it as an occasion. We have to view church as a people. And as soon as we're able to connect this word church with people or church with family then it's even going to make a difference in the way we talk about church. So number one, change the way we talk about church. Number two, change the way we practice hospitality. Now, I want to ask you a question, a couple of questions. How often do you invite your church family into your home? How frequently do you open up your home or, or go to the homes of others and really just spend time with your family, with your church family? Um, not only that, but do you, care, do you care for the needs of others? Do you do things to go out of your way to make sure if people are in need that you are helping them out in those situations? 
Or even, do you make it a point to connect with those that are unfamiliar within the church? If we are a family, we're not going to be an estranged family. We're going to all be connected. We have to change the way that we practice hospitality. And the best reference is to look back at the church and Acts and say, how did they practice it? And how can I practice that same idea? And then finally, we need to change our level of involvement in the church. Now, simple question, do you, do you need a way to make new relationships within this family? Um, I will go ahead and make an easy plug for you right now. Uh, our Lads Leaders program, like I said, is kicking off next week. We have a lot of events that we need adults to be in charge of to work with our kids. And if you have an interest in being connected uh, with that age, that might not appeal to you, but if it does, we have s- several opportunities for you to, to get plugged in and to make, uh, you know, make additional connections within the church. Uh, And not only that, but if you have an interest in in teaching or if you want to serve in some way or if you want to engage, if you want to make sure that you are feeling like family here and that others are feeling like family as well, all you have to do is begin to engage and connect in any way that you find or in any way that we can help you do that. So as we look at this whole idea We have to make sure that we are doing everything we can to be the church. We can't be a group of people that are going to church. We have to make sure that in our minds, in our hearts, in our life, we're not just filling everything full of of whatever we can to be busy and in our minds being productive when really... We're just distracting ourselves from what we really need to be focused on, and that is being the church. My final question for you this morning is simple enough, and I feel like you probably see it coming. Do you feel like you are going to church, or do you feel like you are being the church? There's probably, probably a good mixture uh, of feelings that we have Um, and there's a lot of different degrees of this that that we might be feeling. But no matter what, we have to make sure that we are doing everything we can to be the church. That's not only going to make a difference in our own lives, but in every single person's life in this room, and even many of those outside of here. We have to make sure that we are being the church. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been going to church. You've been continuing to go at any opportunity that you can, but you have not yet placed your actual identity of who you are within the body of Christ, within the church. And you know that you need to really step forward and say, you know what, I'm going to stop going and I'm going to start being. Or maybe... You've been here, but you haven't yet fully made the decision to to be a part of the church and to put Christ on in baptism and to start walking in his footsteps and start presenting your life 
as a reflection of who Christ and who the church really is. If there's anything we can do for you this morning, we invite you to come forward now.